Welcome in, everybody. Hope you've had a great Memorial Day. It is so good to have you back on the Phantom Football Podcast with Simon Short and Ronan Summers. We have so much NFL football to talk about, um, starting with DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get to that in a minute. We're going to cover the Jaguars tonight. We're going to cover the New York Giants tonight. And as we go through our double team analysis week by week through every team in the NFL, most of all, what we have to get to tonight is Game 7 of the uh, Eastern Conference NBA Finals between the Celtics and the uh, the Miami Heat and see if the Celtics can finish off this epic return battle or if the Heat can actually pull this thing out. But uh, we're recording a little bit earlier than usual. We're going to skip our usual trivia at the end of the, of the podcast tonight. But uh, let's get right to it. Uh, NFL News, the Cardinals actually released, were unable to trade DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver, um, Simon, start working on this for us and let's work our way through it. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at this. Um, you know, the everyone was kind of clowning them for not getting a deal done, for waiting this long, for making the move, for a number of reasons, honestly. And I, I'm usually first in line to clown the Cardinals whenever I can. But what I make of the timing of this is I almost believe them. From, from a week or two ago, before OTA started, they genuinely wanted to keep him and bring him in for whoever was going to be the quarterback. And with these young receivers, have some semblance of a proven NFL player. Because, you know, when you're in the tank, you know, we, you know, talk, speaking of the NBA, we, we see this with teams all the time. You still have to develop a culture. And having a guy that's made a couple all pro teams to show guys how to work, it would be the preference. And by the way, for a receiver, it's not like he's going to win you that many games if his quarterback can't throw him the ball. So you're probably pretty safe there. But I think they wanted to keep him. And then when two or three days of OTAs go by and he just doesn't show up, I know it's optional, but you, you the message is probably on the wall there that he's not going to be that veteran leader you want. So Cardinals, unfortunately, probably reluctantly had to go ahead and make this move. They're trying to reset a culture moving forward of, hey, we work hard in the offseason, even if it's optional. We put down the video games. We put down the, you know, anything else that might be going on. So I think from the Cardinal standpoint, it's sad and it's a bummer, but I think it makes sense in the end. Ronan, you know, from Arizona standpoint, what did you think? From Arizona standpoint, I don't know how you don't get compensation whenever you're losing DeAndre Hopkins mm -hmm. uh, before his contract is up. And I, I, from the league perspective, I don't really understand why nobody was willing to give up a day three pick, right? To, solidify getting DeAndre Hopkins. Um, now it's it's anybody's game, right? There are 31 teams who are going to be at least considering it. And, uh, you know, Maybe I, I get it. I don't know okay. if Houston's in it. Hey, you never know. You never know. Hey, new regime. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan. Right. I, right. I think uh, he was actually cited in Houston or like he posted an Instagram or something uh, in Houston. So, hey, you never know. But I I don't know how you don't get anything out of this, especially whenever all of this was kind of a mystery. Because up until then, we thought that he was going to be staying. Uh, so yeah, I I thought that was just them kind of playing their cards right, trying to fool the league into giving them some sort of compensation. Uh, but they walked away with none, Ben. 
I, I'm surprised too. Now, I, there are a few reasons why it may not have happened, but I still don't think any of them are strong enough to where I wouldn't have been interested if I would have a certain team. This is the second franchise that has been incredibly unhappy with him and shipped him out. You know, Bill O'Brien just basically had rage quit when when uh, when Hopkins forced his way didn't force his way when Hopkins leveraged his way into larger money in Houston, and Bill O'Brien's like, "No, you're out." Now the Cardinals are the second franchise to be out on him, so. It's obvious he's he's probably not the world's greatest teammate or leader. And the past two years, he's only been on the field for, I think, 19 games in the past two years combined. But when he's on the field, he still looks like a remarkably good receiver. He's, he can still bring it when he's on the field. And then the large cap pit, of course, is going to be a, a problem, too. Still, though, I mean, a third-round pick, right? I mean, if, if you're anywhere near a team that has a chance to even get the playoffs, save your job, do something – I would have been all over it personally. I mean, if, if I've got a very young roster and I don't want to corrupt them, basically, maybe I don't bring him in. But from any other team, and I'm trying to save my job, and I've got a quarterback that needs a guy to throw to, I'm bringing him in. I don't care. Uh, you know, I'll straighten his butt out if I need to, send him a game, whatever. But I'm going to bring him in. Simon? I want to do a little exercise with you guys on Hopkins because what I think is, you know, to Ronan's point, how do you not get some form of compensation? I think they walked into the draft, walked into the week of the draft, hoping to get a day two pick for Hopkins. And they made that known, or maybe they made known that they wanted a first round pick, hoping they'd get a day two pick. And everyone was just kind of scared away. 30-year-old receiver, as Ben mentioned, 19 games in two years, PED suspension last season. You know, we'll we'll offer a fifth round pick. For the Cardinals, that might have been, you know, that line between a day two, day three pick might be the line of it's more worth it to just see if we can get him into camp and see if we can get him to play and be a leader. So the question I want to ask you guys on that is, Ronan, what round is your point of no return where, hey, this round draft pick isn't worth trading Hopkins and I'd rather take the risk of bringing him into camp, even if it's only 50-50 that it's going to work out? I would say probably a, a sixth, maybe a fifth. Mm -hmm. um, just because of where everything was at, you know, around draft time, um, because around then it seems like it was for sure he was out. So I, I think if you can even get a fifth round pick, at the very least, you're considering it. Ben, what, what are your thoughts? I would have taken anything. But for me, the real problem, and this is where I don't like what franchises do. I don't want to call it poor, poor managing, but it's not great managing. If you've made one decision one week and two weeks later you're coming up with a different decision, I really question your ability to evaluate things, not only your player that you've got in the clubhouse, but what may happen in the future. I really think you need to you need to be better at that. So me, I would have done whatever I could to trade whoever I could before the draft. And then if it didn't happen, you know, then maybe I tell him not come to the building until we can find a way to trade him. I don't just give him away for nothing. Can we talk about some of the potential teams before we move on? Let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I think it was Shefty that retweeted this after the release happened, but DeAndre Hopkins was on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall back in, uh, uh, was it a couple months ago um, originally, but it, it's getting resurfaced now, where he listed his, his top five quarterbacks that he would like the ball to be thrown to him from, those being – Josh Allen from the Bills, Jalen Hurts from the Eagles, Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson from the Ravens, and Justin Herbert from the Chargers. 
Ronan do any of these guys? I mean, obviously, all five of these guys are great, and it'd be great to see Hopkins with any of them. Does any one stand out to you, either from a high probability standpoint or just what would be the most fun for you watching? If I had to pick one, I'd have to say the Chiefs, right? Uh, yeah. Because aside from Travis Kelsey, who is a tight end, they don't have a clear number one target. Um, and I guess, you know, Travis is the number one, so they'd be in search of a, a 1B or whatever you want to call it, a one and a half. Um, but I think you, you add DeAndre Hopkins into that offense and you unlock a whole new level. I mean, imagine Andy Reid with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. And whenever you look at where DeAndre Hopkins has been right in Houston, uh, where he's kind of been the kind of the culture guy that you were talking about earlier, right? You know, the Cardinals wanting to bring him back as that culture guy. He's been that culture guy really his whole career. Uh, since he was on his rookie contract, he was a leader in the locker room uh, in Houston. And then, you know, obviously he still is or was in Arizona. So I think that portion of his career, you can go ahead and check that part off. I think he wants to win. And whenever you look at the landscape, uh, just between the five teams that you listed, right, all those guys, you know, the Ravens, you could argue, don't have that number one target. But, you know, Mark Andrews, uh, he's been a pretty reliable guy for Baltimore. And they just added OBJ, but I wouldn't necessarily call him the number one there. Uh, and then Buffalo, right? They've got Diggs. And then Philly, they've got two guys. So do uh, the Chargers. So really the Chiefs stand out to me because they're in desperate, not even desperate need. But whenever you look at the roster, you would think uh, they, they could use another wide receiver. Uh, ben, between those five teams or maybe even another one, is there a, a team that stands out to you or teams? Yeah, I do not want to see him go to the Chiefs or the Bills because they already have a great Super Bowl shot. I, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up if he goes to one of those two teams, but he might. All right, I, I just don't want to see it. I would love to see him end up in Detroit. I mean, I would love to see this team get a chance to actually do a serious upgrade and do some 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 serious damage in the NFC, not just the division. I would love to see that. I would love to see Lamar Jackson get a shot at throwing the ball to him with the Baltimore Ravens. That would be entertaining. I know Simon with the Steelers would not want to see that happening, but yeah, you know, bring, bring him in. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so got a Hall of Fame cornerback now. We're all it's all good, baby. Those are some of the things I would love to see. I I, I don't want to go to see him go to some top team. I I, just, I don't want to see that at all, Simon. I want to see him go to one of those top teams, man. I don't care. Load it up, baby. Load it up. I I would love to see it on the Chiefs. Um, I'd love to see it on the Bills because the Bills, you know, I, I raved about the Dalton Kincaid draft pick. That's still a, an inside guy. You know, they don't have a second outside guy that you love. We all want Gabriel Davis to step up and be that guy. I've talked about it many times before, but they don't have that second guy on the outside. You know, you look at the Eagles. A.J. Brown has done most of his work on the outside. Same with Devonta Smith. Um you go to, uh, I mean, the Ravens, all of those guys are, are all over the place, but OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, they have a lot invested in pass catcher now all of a sudden after not doing that for so long. Uh, the Chargers, you know, Hopkins, Keenan Allen kind of win the same way. I mean, they, they align in different spots. But again, we, we've we been talking about getting the Chargers that burner, that real downfield threat, and Hopkins – does that to an extent, but as a separator, as a route runner, more than anything, um, 
the the bills i think have the true biggest hole in terms of the way that the field bends and the field looks patrick mahomes and the chiefs it doesn't feel that way just because mahomes can make anybody into a high level wide receiver but it'd be pretty sweet man i I, i'd love it let's go get 40 a game I'm, i'm in i'm here for it if he goes to one of those two teams, I'm not watching their games all year. That's just the end of the story for me. <laughs> oh, come on. It's going to be real tough when, um, you know, we, we do the primetime games here on, on the podcast and uh, they're they're on, what, 14 of 17 primetime games or, or, or weeks right. on a primetime game. That's going to be a real bummer for Ben. That'll be tough. Yeah, I'll let you guys cover it. Real quick for, for our audience, um, five teams, and this is important, five teams with the most cap space next year, not this year, but next year, 2024 offseason, just in case Hopkins is looking for a long-term deal more than he's looking to win a Super Bowl. Those teams are the Houston Texans with over $100 million in cap space, the Patriots at 90, the Bears, Commanders, and Titans all have a lot of cap space. So if, and we don't know, if Hopkins is looking for money instead of winning, then he might end up on one of those teams, but that's just uh, what's out there as well. Simon? Yeah, I mean, the the money stuff definitely makes sense. It's definitely part of it. Uh, I We've just seen so many teams finagle their way into so many things. I mean, if a team completely up against the cap for the next two years wants to do something, they'll give them a one-year deal with like five void years or something crazy like that this year for to, to get them paid through the year. And then they'll make whatever cap adjustments they need to next year if they really want to make it work. So I'm not too worried about that, but it is a good little list to put over to the side because, yeah, maybe he just kind of falls into a team that can just make it done and guarantee a bunch and, you know, need, needs a player. So it, it's a good list to keep to the side. It, I'm, I'm looking more at the teams, the winning teams, than the quarterbacks right now more than anything. Maybe. Keep in mind, though, the reason he left Houston was because he already had a top contract. He was already a top-paid wide receiver. But because it was a front-loaded contract, he got more of his money in his first two years. And then he had all the leverage, and him and his agent basically forced Houston <laughs> to pay him more money. And they're like, no, we're not going to do it. So we know money matters to this guy. Um, whether or not it matters more than winning at this point in his career, we don't know. But we do know money matters. We know he's losing a fair amount by not getting this Cardinals contract finished out either. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it's a sideline issue or a main issue. Anything else for anybody on Hopkins before we move on here? Sure. All right, guys, let's hit our offseason recaps. Uh, we're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where did we leave off in 2022-23? The Jags went 9-8 and eight on an impressive run after the Urban Meyer fiasco uh, two years ago. They won the AFC South in a fun Week 17 game, lost in the divisional round to the Chiefs, 10th uh, in yards per game, 10th in points per game, 24th in yards allowed per game, 12th in points yards. Points allowed per game, 13th in DVOA, 9th in offensive DVOA, 26th in defensive DVOA. Ronan, when you think about the Jaguars team last year, what do you think about? I thought about a team that was on the rise, um, both offensively and defensively. This team took significant strides. And, you know, to some that might not be saying a whole lot uh, because of, you know, what you mentioned earlier, the Urban Meyer fiasco and everything that came with that. But um, that this team looked like a real football team out there and you know they made the playoffs and you know you got to be a real team to make the playoffs um you know I, Peterson he turned the ship around uh it seems like he was a great pairing uh for yep. Trevor Lawrence and, and the the 
production and yeah, evolution of him. Hopefully we get to see that continue. Uh, and then defensively, we got to see a lot of young guys just get after it. And uh, just an overall really impressive season for the Jaguars, Ben. A lot of fun to watch. I think the big key was Urban Meyer moving on. You got another guy back in who's actually won something um, and, and looks like he can do it here. So the team improved. A lot of fun to watch. Really enjoyed it. All right, let's uh, – oh, and, and I guess I should answer this question too. Um, I'm going to think about the playoff comeback, man, because, you know, when you're down, what was – I mean, Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in that wild card round to Justin Herbert and the Chargers down like 21 or 24-0, something like that, came storming back with, I think, four touchdown passes in the in the second half. You guys mentioned Doug Peterson and, and just kind of even regressing to the mean in terms of coaching and culture in the situation – when you have a quarterback as talented as Trevor Lawrence and you have the pieces that they put around him, we talked about it, albeit a little overpaid, but you still got good players there. Um, we saw, I mean, the the numbers speak for themselves. This was a above average offense, but a basically top 10 offense in the league last season. And for Trevor Lawrence going into year three, effectively year two, we can expect even a bigger jump. So I think the Jaguars, you know, put themselves on the mark. And I, I think it's all looking up from here. Let's look at the ins and outs from the roster. Again, this is from free agency period trades pre-draft. Uh, ins and outs gone. Our starting tackle, Juwan Taylor. Wide receiver, Marvin Jones. A couple of rotational edge rushers, Arden Key and Dewan Smoot. Tight end, Chris Manhurts, the blocking tight end. Running back, Daryl Henderson, who I just threw on here for Ronan. Uh, and cornerback, Shaq Griffin. In, nobody really of, of note from the outside. I think the highest uh, snap percentage played by an, uh, a free agent from the outside this off season was like t- less than 25% or something like that. So they really haven't added anybody of significance unless of course you count wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, who was back reinstated from his suspension last season, who they traded for uh, going into the, the season last year. He will be playing for the Jaguars this season um ben let's start with you on this part when you look at these ins and outs when you when you look at the roster moves they made before the draft what stands out to you for jacksonville the big one is Jawan taylor moving on to kansas city like chiefs obviously valued him a lot they didn't give him a year to see if uh you know he would pan out they just went ahead and gave him a bunch of money right away so the jaguars but you know the jaguars really had struggled to develop him he showed a lot of promise he he was hanging in there as, as a good very talented starter Jacksonville hadn't really developed him that well. So I'm hoping Kansas City can do it even better. But uh, can, uh, Jacksonville didn't ignore this position. They've got other things working there. So I don't think they're going to be bleeding or hurting in that spot. Losing Smooth off the off the edge bothered me a little bit too. Um, but, you know, you can't keep everybody. Jacksonville's up against it cap space-wise, not only this offseason, but next offseason too. They don't have a lot of wiggle room. So they didn't take the Eagles and the Saints route of just uh, restructuring the heck out of everything and everybody. So I was happy that they did that. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be hurting too bad from the guys that are gone here, Ronald. Yeah, honestly, uh, really only only one name, you know, kind of stands out to me for the uh, the Jaguars this offseason, and, and it's Calvin Ridley. The guy that it missed all of last season because he couldn't keep himself off of FanDuel. And, you know, I get it. It's fun putting parlays together, seeing the green or usually the red. Uh, the next morning is always a treat. But 
I think that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on because this offense, it, it moved along quite well uh, last year. It wasn't anything too crazy, right? But 10th in yards per game, 10th in points per game. It, it was a pretty solid offense. Now you add a pretty much true number one receiver in Calvin Ridley, and you, know, you take that thing to the next level because you know, whenever Christian Kirk is your number one, you know, you're doing okay. And he had a really good season last year, especially mm-hmm. after all of the hate that he was getting for the contract that he received. But now he's your number two. You've got Evan Ingram in there. I, I don't know, man. That Calvin Ridley edition, even though it's a, a year later, we finally get to see him work. Uh, I, I'm really excited about that one, Simon. Yeah, I'm pulling up the uh, the snap counts for the receivers last year. Number third on that list, number three on that list, I should say, was Marvin Jones behind Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, who are the starting receivers. You're essentially replacing Marvin Jones with Calvin Ridley in this offense that was already top ten, and you're getting another year of Trevor Lawrence. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big upgrade, man. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what that unlocks for everybody else, what that unlocks for Trevor Lawrence, um, and it, it makes that contract situation look a lot better when you look at the totality of what they're spending on the wide receivers. And then to Ben's point, you know, bringing up uh, Jawan Taylor, moving on from him, this team felt very comfortable with Walker Little. Obviously, they drafted him in the second round, I believe, in 2019 at a uh, or 2021. I'm sorry out of um, Stanford. He started a handful of games last year, I believe on both sides last year, but he started games on both sides in his first two years here in Jacksonville. So they're comfortable with him being a starter. We'll talk about the draft and what they did there in light of the Cam Robinson news. Um, I think they've insulated themselves pretty well from a, uh, who, who they are losing standpoint. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that, you know, I, I guess I am a little worried about the combination of Ardenkey and Dewan Smoot. Both guys played less than 50% of the snaps last year, but this wasn't a very good defense and they didn't really bring any new edge rushers in. So that's the big concern I still have for this team right now. Who has some juice to get after the quarterback? Are they just expecting a, a big leap from Trayvon Walker in the second round or in his second year, I should say? We'll see. That's the one thing I'm still kind of keeping my eye on. Everything else I feel pretty comfortable with. Um, anything else for you guys on, on this section for the Jaguars, Ronan? Yeah, uh, just one extra thing because it, it does kind of stand out to me. The Shaq Griffin departure. Um, mm-hmm. Their secondary is already, and you kind of referenced it, it's not necessarily the best defense. Um, but that secondary could use a little bit of an upgrade. And they didn't do a ton. Uh, to it right yeah uh, we'll, we'll get to the draft but you know, no top what in their first five picks I don't see any so that would have been something I, I would have liked to see them address uh, I, I, I was sitting there vouching uh, banging the table for them to take Brian Branch with their first mm-hmm. pick uh, clearly they didn't do that but you know, something to keep an eye on how does that secondary hold up after losing what you know, some would say their their best cornerback in Shaq Griffin. Yeah, and Shaq played uh, just five games for them last year, but it, it felt like that was the reason you felt like you were missing something in the defensive backfield for sure. Um, but you know, we'll see. They, like you said, they they haven't really added to it, so they do have some young guys there. Um, that yeah, that'll be interesting for for sure. We'll we'll get into some of these defensive needs we feel they missed. I'm sure here as we talk about the draft. So let's dive into it. 
Um, this team made a ton of picks, guys. This is going to be fun. I hope you all listen, enjoy listening to me read these, like, I don't know, 15 or so names. But in the first round, they go with tackle Anton Harrison. Second round, tight end Brendan Strange. Uh, third round, running back Tank Bigsby. Fourth round, they made two picks, linebacker Ventral Miller and edge rusher Tyler Lacey. Fifth round, two picks, linebacker Yasir Abdullah, safety Antonio Johnson. Sixth round, they made three picks, wide receiver Parker Washington. Cornerback Christian Braswell, safety Eric Hallett II. Seventh round, they made three more picks, offensive lineman Cooper Hodges, defensive tackle Raymond Fahosik, and fullback slash special teamer Derek Parrish. Um, ben, when you look at this draft class as a whole, man, what, what are you thinking? As a whole, I wasn't overly impressed. I thought there were a lot of nondescript names on here that I hadn't really been eyeballing. But there were three guys I liked, so let me call them out. Antoine Harrison, I mentioned that they didn't ignore the tackle position. They brought him in from Oklahoma. He may or may not start this year, but I think he probably does, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And if he actually gets to stay on the field for the whole season. But he should get a good chance to get a tackle spot moving forward into 24. So I like that. Tank's, Tank Bigsby. They really needed a running back who could shove the ball up the middle. ETN really is not that guy. He's he's explosive. He can run between the tackles, but he's really more of your big game guy. He's really not the guy who needs to be racking up a lot of carries. He's just not that body type. Bigsby from Auburn will help with that. And then another guy, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, the safety, was a guy that a lot of people were looking at athleticism-wise. He hadn't been developed very well by Texas A&M, but they got him down there in the fifth round. A lot of people were looking at him up in the second round, even the late first round, two or three months ago. He fell, fell, fell. So at least you've got some athleticism back there in a defensive back that Ronan, in a defensive backfield that Ronan mentioned needs a ton of help. Ronan? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, there are two guys that I really liked, and it just so happened to be uh, they were both taken in the fifth round. One of them was Antonio Johnson, the safety, and the other one was Yazir Abdullah uh, out of Louisville. He's pretty versatile. He can do a little bit of everything. It'll be interesting uh, to see how he's utilized in that defense. Is he going to go strictly after the quarterback? Is he going to drop back a little bit? Um, that, that'll be something fun to keep an eye on because they've got – Pretty nice rotation uh, for their pass rush. Adding him just to kind of be the, that versatile tool. Is he going to rush? Is he going to drop back? He's probably not going to see a ton of time on the field. Uh, but that little bit of disguise, what is he going to do? Might be a nice little extra component, a little cherry on top to that Jaguars defense this year, Simon. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, look, they I, I mentioned the, the edge rushers, the linebackers, the front seven, but they went after in the draft with, with – uh, Abdullah, Tyler Lacey, Ventral Miller, um, they're, they're trying to address it in different ways, which which is good to see at least. I did like the Antonio Johnson pickup. The Anton Harrison draft pick, I want to I wanna shout out here for a second as something that I liked because this team, we were all very much in the, okay, late first round, perfect spot for a defense back, perfect spot for an edge rusher. Um, could they sneaky look at a wide receiver or tight end here? And then we get the news that I think the day before the draft that Cam Robinson was going to be suspended for a portion of the year. Um, and we had just come off of the whole thing that we just talked about with Walker Little. And, okay, Jawan Taylor out, Walker Little in. That's fine. Cam Robinson on the other end. And now you're kind of thrown in this loop where the number one priority here is protecting Trevor Lawrence and setting him up for success. So I really like that pivot that they made for te- for a tackle there in the first round. As Ben said, he's probably going to be the day one starter, and we'll see if he ever gives up that job. Um, 
And so I, I really like that one, even though you wish you wouldn't have to do it. I like the fact that they had 13 picks. It makes it a little bit easier for me to stomach a running back in the third round, even though, you know, they got some guys on the back end of that roster that I'm interested in seeing. Um, the thing I didn't like though, second round pick tight end Brenton strange at a Penn state. You know, we talked about, um, Luke Schoonmaker in the second round. I, I believe last week we talked about it for the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't, I, I don't know why we went for these tight ends. Uh, a couple of these tight ends as early as we did, it felt like a reach for this player it felt like they could have done something different. They had so many picks. They could have done a tight end really anywhere. Um, so I just didn't, I didn't love this considering Evan Ingram, even though he's essentially a big slot it is already here. Um, felt like this was an opportunity that where they could have gotten a, a, an edge rusher or a DB you feel a little bit better about. Um, anything else for you guys uh, on this draft? I mean, there, there's a lot of dudes here, but kind of like Ben said, it's just, it's kind of a lot of names for us right now. And you know, that's, it's not as fun to talk about, but it's also a good thing because you just need at-bats at this point when it comes to the draft. Yeah, I'm right there. With you. Sorry, Ron, you're good. No, no, I was just going to say definitely. And I, the only guy uh, that we haven't talked about that I thought does deserve a little bit of light is Parker Washington, um, mm -hmm. a guy who a lot of people like coming into the draft, uh, got a lot of love, potentially get – taken a little bit earlier than the sixth round, but that's where he fell. Um, and you know what? He might be a nice extra piece in that Jaguars offense for Trevor. Sorry, Ben, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm right there with Simon on the uh, the tight end. There was no position in the draft that the NFL saw uh, the position differently than the rest of us did going in the tight end. Uh, some of these teams picking some of these tight ends in the second round much earlier than we all thought they were going to go. And I do want to just give one last shout out here. That last pick, Derek Parrish, uh, played a majority of his snaps in college as a defensive lineman. Um, started playing fullback a little bit in his last year of college at Houston. And seems like he's going to be making the transition basically full-time to being a fullback, but he's essentially a core special teamer. So fun little story there. We'll see if he sticks around in Jacksonville. All right, it's time to rate the offseason. Ronan, get us started with this. What, what would you give the Jaguars offseason on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd give them a 6, um, and that's only because they didn't bring in anybody, right? Yeah. Can't count Calvin Ridley. Uh, he was he was a thing last year. Uh, their draft, I liked their draft, but if we're talking about their offseason as a whole, unfortunately, I'd have to rate it a 6, but that's an optimistic 6. That's a... That's a yep. six where it's like, hey, this team can maybe make another playoff appearance. So, you know, although it, it wasn't the uh, spectacular offseason that had everybody's eyes popping out of their heads, um, I, I think it, they still have a lot of things to be excited for heading into uh, 2023 season, Ben. For me, I'm going to come up with two grades here, a short term and a long term. Short term in this offseason, I'm giving them a five because they didn't do a darn thing to upgrade this roster for this year, unless you count the Antoine Harrison thing. I mean, that's it, unless you count the Calvin Ridley thing. I mean, but that I don't know that this team's going to be any better. They might even be a little bit worse, all things considered, because we mentioned, you know, three of the guys that they lost. Well, there's not one guy that stands out when you start to consider the three of them. Simon mentioned the two edges, and they were already a bad defense last year. And we know the rest of the AFC is is fighting, scratching, clawing to get better. 
it was not a good offseason for them this year. Uh, it just wasn't. But uh, I'd give them like an eight when you look at 24 and beyond. Because a lot of these draft picks, man, from like second round pick on, I don't know that there's going to be a huge contribution to 2023 for most of these guys. A lot of them are going to be special teamers. They're going to be rotation guys getting 200 snaps. It might be a running back that gets, you know, 200, 300 snaps, that kind of stuff. It's, you know, but for 24 and beyond, they were responsible with their money. They didn't start throwing a whole bunch of money around that they're all locked up in for the next couple of seasons. So I like it long-term, short-term. Uh, wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I gave it a six as well. Uh, a five would be like, hey, completely average, net nothing, didn't lose anything, didn't gain anything. And to Ben's point of the thing that he would give some credit for is what I'm doing. They get the six because they got Anton Harrison and they kept that tackle room at least respectable for Trevor Lawrence until Cam Robertson comes back. Um, I do expect this team to be better, and that's and similar to what Rona's saying. I'm still optimistic about this team. This is just a rating of how they did, what they did, the moves they made this offseason, and they just didn't make a whole lot. So uh, I'm giving them a six for that, but I still feel good about the Jaguars. Moving forward, um, guys, are we ready to hit the New York football Giants? Let's do it. Yes, I think this is where we're – I think we're all going to differ on this one a little bit more. Our ratings have been very similar uh, through these first few ratings we've done. So let's hit the Giants. Where do we leave off in 2022-23? 9-7-1, lost in the divisional round, 18th in yards per game, 16th in points per game, 25th in yards allowed per game, 18th in points allowed per game. So far, very similar to the Jaguars. Uh, 21st in DVOA, 10th offensively, 29th defensively. Ronan, when you you're, you're wincing there, when you when you look at uh, some of these stats, some of these numbers from last season, what are you thinking? Uh, I thought that last year's Giants were an absolutely fun team to watch. Um, they were a little bit of a roller coaster. You didn't really know what to expect. Um, at their highs, they were. Almost, they had the looks of one of those powerhouse teams whenever everything was clicking. Uh, and, and then at their lows, they looked like the Giants that everybody would laugh at, uh, even though, you know, the Giants are known for kind of being a historically good team. But, you know, the, the past couple of years, that hasn't been the case. See, But, hey, this year, the page turned. Brian Dable stepped in there, messed everything up for the NFC East. And, uh, yeah, Big Blue. They were, they were a fun one, Ben. Yeah, I, I love watching them last year. I love watching teams surprise us. I really do, um, for good. So this is a team I thought was going to be lousy last year. Watching Brian Dayball drag this roster. This <laughs> this was a bad roster. He dragged it all the way to the playoffs. Man, I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Yeah, to make a, a functional offense out of what this group was going into last season – and to get a couple guys paid because of it really, you know, makes a huge difference. Similar to uh, going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, just getting that upgrade in an offensive mind and a head coach can really, really turn things around really quickly. The defense obviously has its issues. You would expect a step up this season with some of the recent moves, which we will go ahead and dive into. So let's get to the ins and outs. Gone are safety, Julian Love, center, John Feliciano, corner Fabian Moreau, linebacker Jalen Smith, wide receivers Richie James and Kenny Galladay, and uh, interior offensive lineman Nick Gates. In our safety Bobby McCain, 
linebacker Bobby Okereke, wide receiver Paris Campbell, tight end Darren Waller, defensive lineman Rakeem Nunez-Roches and Ashawn Robinson, and cornerback Amani Oruwarie. Ronan, what are your thoughts when you see that list of names in and out of the New York football giants? I, I'm not too worried. Um, you know, they had a pretty big opportunity or whatever you want to call it to lose a lot of guys who you know were pretty decent components on last year's team. And if they weren't to replace them, you know, they, they might not be making it back to the playoffs, even in a little bit more of a depleted NFC. But the guys that they brought in, Okereke, uh, Paris Campbell, who can step in there and be a solid wide receiver three, Darren freaking Waller. Um, I, I think that they they did pretty well uh, whenever it comes to just the free agency aspect of the offseason. Now, obviously, the, the most notable one is that Darren Waller trade, right? Um, mm -hmm. Getting Daniel Jones, who just got paid, right? You, you got him. If you're going to pay him, you got to give him weapons. You got to double down on it. You've already fallen on the sword. Might as well dive it a little bit deeper. They got Darren Waller, who's you know older, uh, might not be the most reliable injury-wise. So hopefully he's able to hold up on that uh, MetLife turf. But man, if, if we can see a full season of Darren Waller, hey, don't chuckle, don't chuckle. The MetLife turf. No, I just never thought. I know, I know. I just never thought about the turf, and now you've got me. I'm rethinking <laughs> this whole thing. I'm terrified now. This isn't good. But hey, getting getting Daniel Jones, uh, number one target, aside from Saquon, right, it's going to do wonders. I think we're going to see another improvement this year, another steady incline. I don't think he's going to be breaking any records. I don't know if he's going to be in the MVP conversation. Uh, but I think this offense is going to be able to stay afloat and keep him into games, Ben. I liked what they did here in the free agent side of things. Um, Talent-wise, they didn't lose a whole lot, and they got a little bit better. And you mentioned it. I thought especially the keys were tied in Darren Waller coming in. That gives him another weapon throw to for Daniel Jones. You, you already mentioned that. And and then on defense, Bobby Akereke, we all liked that, the linebacker there. Um, on a defense that could use a talent infusion, he does that, brings the experience. You, you paid for it, but that's okay. Um, you, you needed something. So they couldn't do a whole lot of stuff because they were a little little strapped on cash, but they did what they could here. And then two guys here, Ashawn Robinson, a defensive tackle, and CB Amani Oruarie. Those are two guys who you really don't want to be your high-profile guys coming in, but if they're third or fourth on the list in that room, they really, really fit the bill. This adds some athleticism, some talent at both spots, because both guys have had years where they were really good, but that's been a while back. You know, it's been two, three years ago. So bringing them onto a roster like this, I thought, was, was really good as well. Simon? Yeah, I want to hit the defense for sure. Um, Bobby Okereke, this team at linebacker was playing Jalen Smith, who hadn't caught back on uh, for the last couple of years after being injured. And he walked to them like in week eight, I think, and became their like every down starting inside linebacker. And, and you could see on tape, uh, not even on tape, just like live TV watching that it was it was a rough go. It was a rough go and it, it did not work at all. Um, so Bobby Okereke, who was steadily just climbing the boards of like 
NFL Twitter, you know, positional darling, just this guy that you wanted to see unleashed become a full-time starter. Um, so hopefully our, our faces aren't uh, flat on the pavement or on the, you know, Metro turf uh, here in just a few short uh, months. But I, I really like that move. And also Nunez, Roches, and Robinson, like Ben was just alluding to, this team, despite, you know, uh, the, the great defensive line in terms of the names we know, was, you know, part of that bad defensive DVOA rating was the run defense. They were dead last in run defense DVOA last season. You know, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, those are great pass rushing defensive tackles. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, great pass rushing defensive end. But they need some guys that can rotate in on that second unit of the line and really help plug holes and stop the run. Um, and they did not have that last year, and I think they're going to have it this year. I think they're going to be much improved on the defensive side of the ball. All right, so let's move on to the draft now, guys. What did they do in the draft? First round, cornerback Deontay Banks. Second round, center John Michael Schmitz. Third round, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Fifth round, running back Eric Gray. Sixth round, corner Trey Hawkins the third. Seventh round, two picks, defensive tackle Jordan Riley, and safety Gervarius Owens. Ben, when you look at this uh, draft class, what stands out to you? I'm very excited about it. Now, to be clear, the roster was bad enough that you could have almost added anybody in the first three rounds, and I would have been excited about it. But they got guys I like. They Listen, the secondary needed an infusion of talent and athleticism. Nobody had that more than Deontay Banks in this draft. Now, he's a little raw. He needs some development. But I think this coaching staff and Brian Dable can do that. Um, they needed some help on the offensive line, on the interior. They bring in the big John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that. It may not pay off this year, but he's big enough where he at least ought to be able to anchor, if nothing else. And then we'll see about developing him moving forward. So I love that. Jalen Hyatt was a guy that people were talking about possibly sneaking into the tail end of the first round. Didn't know if that was really going to happen. It didn't. They pick him up in the third round. So they continue to add prospective weapons here for Daniel Jones to throw to. I love that. Um, I really love these top three picks. I think it definitely infuses talent and athleticism at all three spots. Ron? Yeah, literally, I, I had the same exact thing. Uh, those top three picks had me absolutely ecstatic, uh, both for the you know next year, you know what they can do for the team next year, and, and what the they can do for the team in four or five years. Um, I, I think all three are guys who can potentially you know still be prevalent starters in four years for this football team, and. Uh, I loved the draft for him uh, for all the same reasons. Banks, the athleticism, uh, John Michael Schmitz, they needed a starting center. They went out, they got one. Uh, and then the speedy Hyatt will be a nice complement to uh, you know, the, pretty much everything else they have in that wide receiver room because it's it's not really speed. Um, so, yeah, I, I love those top three picks, Simon. I'm not going to add anything new, guys. I mean, that's what the draft's all about. Can you get, you know, two to three starters? That's your goal, and you especially hope that comes from your first two to three picks. And, you know, you know Hyatt, you know, uh, we'll see if you can consider him a starter or not, but he's going to play a role because right now they have about five little undersized slot receivers. They have Darren Waller, who's a big oversized slot receiver, and now they have Jalen Hyatt, who is at least going to run fast down the field and say, all right, all you other slot guys, you do what you're doing over there. I'm going to be down here 40 yards down the field, just kind of waiting for the ball, um, and we'll see what happens. JMS is the finishing touch of that offensive line, I think, as long as Evan Neal progresses here in his second year. And Deontay Banks, I've said it many times before, just much-needed talent for a defensive backfield that was playing 
well above their heads last year, talent wise. I mean, got to give it up to him for that, but perfect cornerback for Wink Martindale and the, what, what he asks of his cornerbacks to do. So I love their draft. Um, didn't think they left any, any stones unturned, any needs unmet. So great job by the giants. Anything else for you guys, uh, either on those free agency or tra- trades or drafts or, or the draft stuff. I Ben was looking real hard earlier for where I made a note about Daniel Jones and I, I didn't put it in there for a reason, but um, just encapsulating the off season, any other notes you guys wanted to throw in there and Ben, feel free to talk about Daniel Jones if you want. <laughs> I, you know, two spots. I, one spot I wish they had upgraded more would have been interior guard. Maybe there were guys in the fifth round that I thought they might could have gone after. Instead, they went after a running back with Eric Gray. And they might could have even gone after a guy in free agency that would have just plugged a little bit to kind of help the loss of Feliciano um, out a little bit and Gates out a little bit. But, I mean, it, it, you know, you can't fix everything on a single offseason, so it's not a big worry. Linebacker, not only did they add a Karakay, but they've got enough rotational pieces. I don't think they're going to play a lot of linebackers on the field anyway, to be honest. But they've got enough guys there. We've even got the Darian Beavers guy that both you and I love. They've got in a couple other guys there, rotational guys. They should be good at linebackers. I like what they did there as well. Huge update. Breaking news, everybody. ESPN currently has Darian Beavers listed as the starting right inside linebacker for the New York Giants. Yes. I'm going to lose my head, guys. I'm going to lose my head. (laughs) And then watch first preseason game. He's going to get like Mack trucked or something and never, never get back on the field. Um, I wanted to go onto my phone to look for like some sort of Schefter tweet after you seeing your hearing your reaction. I thought it was going to be like D Hop assigned to insert team here. And I was like, oh my God. No. no. Well, you know what? Yeah, the Beavers starting is you know worthy of breaking news. It's right there in terms of power ranking news that we could have gotten on the podcast. It was the Andre Hopkins and it was Darian Beavers. Um I'm excited, guys. I'm I this is throwing me all off now. Um Ben, to your point about the guards, I just wanted to hit. I'm excited to see Josh Azudu this year. This was a guy that they were very into last year. He like he did the thing that I don't know, New England states do. I'm just gonna rope New York into that, uh, where they like to swap out sub guys out. So him and Nick Gates kind of did that for a lot of last year at left guard. I'm excited to see him get a full year of being the full-time left guard. Mark Lewinsky at the right guard position, I'm excited about still. Um, so that trio of those two and JMS in between them, I'm still excited for that. But to your point, Azudu kind of being an unknown factor, could they have brought in another veteran or something? I do see that. I do see that. No, so look, I mean, here comes our offensive line talk. We saved it for the last. Here's the next hour. <sighs> <laughs> Forget fourth quarter of the Celtics game. No, here's the, the highlights. All right, so with Izudu and McKeith and both out of North Carolina, third and fifth round draft picks out of 22 last year, right? Wildly inconsistent, very much ballyhooed from high school all the way through college, undeveloped, and, and that continues to be the case here in New York. We'll see if they can. But you got to figure, between Izudu and McKeith and at guard out of North Carolina last year and throw Wyatt Davis in the mix, the, the third rounder from Ohio State, you got three guys there. You just need one guy to step right. up. Surely exactly. one guy will. So I'm not I'm not hating on it. Yeah, for sure. We just had to really we we knew we weren't going to actually argue on that. We just need to sneak in five minutes of of guard talk for everybody. Um, Let's rate the offseason. Ben, feel free. I'm going to let you go first and I'm going to let you include because it is part of the offseason. We like to talk about the things that are different from last year. Right. We, We like to say what's going to be different 
But part of this off on the field, on the field, off the field, something is different though. in the fact that Daniel Jones is making about 10 times, maybe not 10 times, four times, five times more than he was last year. Feel free to rope that into your, to your rating here. Well, ironically enough, I'm going to leave it out. Y'all know how I feel about the Jones and Barkley stuff as well. I'm going to leave it out because to me, that's long-term stuff kicking in there. So I'll just go with short-term this year. I'm giving the Giants, I, I, I'm, tr I'm struggling between a seven or an eight, probably an eight, to be honest here, for their offseason. I really, really like what they did. That I love the, the first three picks of the drafts that they brought in here. I thought they really infused the talent. The, the, the guys that they brought in in free agency, at least two guys who should upgrade them as well. Um, I don't necessarily know that the record's going to be better because we know how that works. Just because your roster's better doesn't mean you're going to be better than last year. But the roster is better. There's no question about it. I, I really love what they did this offseason. Rona. I'm right there with you. And I'm going to be giving them an eight as well. But with the flexibility that if they can extend or somehow get Saquon, you know, to long term, I'm I'm giving it a nine because whenever you look at all of the uh the check boxes that the Giants had for this offseason, right? They replaced a lot of starters that they had lost. They added new starters in the rookie class. Uh, they took care of the Daniel Jones deal. And while although it's controversial, right, he's a guy who got them to the playoffs. I don't know who you could throw in there uh, from this past quarterback, your free agency pool, trading class, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know who they could have added to make them significantly better. Um, you know, I, maybe Rogers, you know, be the, uh, the other New York team Rogers goes to, but I, I don't know what else they could have done. Um, so I, I think that they need to get Saquon uh, locked up. I know extending or you know, just signing a running back to a long-term deal in general is frowned upon. Uh, but whenever it's a dude that is your entire offense, I, I say go for it, Simon. Yeah, I would. I don't know if I'd mind either way. Um, it, it's so interesting with the franchise tags. I'd love to do a study on this at some point. But you always hear when when talking about extending guys from the franchise tag that that tag number becomes the starting point. Um, that's like the absolute minimum, right? Because if you're saying this is what their value is in 2023, then that should only go up after that. Is, is how it from a contractual standpoint, from an agent standpoint, how it's argued. I'd love to actually track to see how often that is the case, especially for running backs. But all that put aside, I, I'm with both of you guys. I'm very high on this offseason. I went with a nine. Um, I love those first three picks. Okereke, Darren Waller, um, just another year of day ball with this offense. I, I'm very high on both this team in general for this season. What that actually equates to in terms of wins, we'll, we'll decide that more in August. But um, from a roster standpoint, what they did this offseason with where they were at at the end of the year, to now, I'm overall very, very positive on that. So I'm going to give the Giants a nine for this offseason. All right, Ben, Ronan, any any closing thoughts? We're skipping trivia so we don't get our normal send-off of just trash talk with the music playing in the background. But any closing thoughts on, on the Jaguars or the Giants or anything from either of you guys? Sure. Yeah, both these teams should be fun to watch. I, you know, I We'll see if they're a playoff team or not, but both these teams should be very fun to watch during the next season for sure. Absolutely, guys. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure as always. Love hanging out with you guys. Love getting to talk football. But uh, it is time to go watch the fourth quarter of Heat Celtics. Um, 
Appreciate everybody for listening. As always, we will be back to you next Tuesday for another episode of the Phantom Football Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. 